Well, today we're continuing, as um, Pastor Eric just said, our series about being rooted in Christ. We've spent the better part of this year talking through how we can think like Jesus and act like Jesus and be like Jesus. And our virtue today, as he said, that that, um, describes both how Jesus lived and how we can live if we want to emulate him is gentleness. Both the Old and New Testament describe the Messiah as someone who will be meek, who will be gentle. And I don't know about you, but that's not really the way that I think of God, particularly as being described in the Old Testament, but maybe that's just my background. I didn't grow up thinking of God as gentle, but the Bible does describe him as gentle, especially in the Psalms and in the prophets. God is described as tender-hearted and as full of loving kindness. He's described as a mother with her baby or a hen with chicks, gathering them protectively under her wings, or as a soft whisper instead of a hurricane. And Jesus describes himself as being gentle and meek. He doesn't enter human history in a blaze of glory with ranks of angels flanking him as he comes down in power. He comes as a little baby, and he grows up to be a tender-hearted, gentle teacher who heals insignificant people and listens to the lowly. He embraces the broken and the lost, and he smiles at those who are outsiders. Gentleness is a very telling character trait for God. We can learn a lot about who God is, about what he values, and about what kind of person he wants his followers to learn to be by thinking about what it means to embody the virtue of gentleness. Now, I was thinking about talking about gentleness today. I immediately thought of two examples of gentleness. Um, Little kids interacting with animals and skin knees. Because when I grew up and learned how to ride a bike, It was a dirt road. And any of you who spent a lot of time playing outside as a kid, and I think all of us in here, it's safe to say, were a kid at some point, you know when you fall off that bike and you hit the dirt and you get up and you have gravel, right, embedded in your palms? Do you remember that? Do you remember that feeling of having the gravel just stuck in there and stuck in your knees? And there were two kinds of adults right, who could handle this situation. And the first kind of adult, doesn't matter if it was your mom or your dad or your grandma or your crazy uncle, the first kind of adult was the kind you didn't want to help you out with your skin, knees, and your abraded palms. That was the adult who said, rub some dirt on it. Just rub a little more dirt on it here. And they just grab your hand, right, just be knocking it off as hard as they could. And then maybe if it was bleeding a little, you have to hold your hand over the sink You have to sit on the edge of the tub, right, with your legs in the tub, and then they'd get out the worst thing they could. You're laughing because you know what I'm talking about, that (laughs) bottle of peroxide, and they just pour it over, and you're just like, and the second type of adult was the one who would say, ooh, that looks like it stings, and they'd get a 
soft washcloth and they'd get some warm water on it and they would just gently dab away, right? All that gravel, all that grit stuck under your skin. They'd just gently wipe that off. They'd give it a little rinse. Then they'd get some nice soothing ointment, rub it in there gently, give you a Band-Aid, maybe a kiss on the head, maybe a popsicle when you're done. Gentleness is what we want when we have skinned our knees, when we have wounds. And the second thing I thought of are little children with animals. I love introducing little kids, little babies even, to animals because I love animals, so I'm trying to get to them while they're young and get everybody to like animals. Um, but especially when I had a baby and she came into a house full of animals, um, you know, they're always going with those little tiny hands right for the fur, right? It's like they're trying to scalp them. They're just going right for the base of the head, grab and just yank, right? And you're like, gentle, gentle, gentle. Don't pull the tail. And I don't know what it is about eyeballs, but little kids, they just need to put that finger right in that shiny eyeball, whether it's yours or an animal's. So we're always saying gentle, gentle. And because um, I think it was last year when I spoke, I showed pictures of my little toad, Periwinkle. I brought some pictures of you today because as you can imagine, Periwinkle is another one of those pets where you say when people want to hold her, gentle, hold her gently, gently. So first, let's look at this picture. This is Periwinkle as a baby. Look how tiny she is. Isn't she cute? Everybody say, aww. She's so cute. And now here's a picture of her as a grown-up. There she is. That's what she looks like. Look, she's got her little dirt hat on. She's so cute. And the thing about Perry is that you have to hold her gently. Because if you don't hold her gently, you're not going to have a toad anymore. You're just going to have a little pile of goo in your hands. When you're holding her, you have to be gentle. Now, the problem is she doesn't like strange people and she doesn't like loud noises. So this is like a haunted house for her here today. She is like, what is going on? Why are we here? What's happening? So you have to hang on so she doesn't go splat, which would be very dramatic if she jumped right now. But she's going to be good. You have to hold her gently. You have to hang on, but you cannot squeeze that fist or you don't have Perry anymore. I would kiss her, but I have lipstick on and that would hurt her, so. We'll just put her in her little house. She can hit here, hide in there. There you go, baby. So gentleness. Gentleness now is not the same as powerlessness. It's not the same as helplessness. Gentleness is how we use the power that we have, which is why we have to tell babies, gentle, gentle, when they're reaching for that tail, gentle. If you're tending someone's wounds, it doesn't matter how much you can deadlift. Gentleness is not about how much power we have, it's about how we use that power. Gentleness is often grouped together with humbleness and with patience because these virtues share a key quality and that is yielding, being gentle, and humble and patient all have to do with restraint, with having the ability to moderate ourselves based on what is good for others. They're all about not going too fast, not being too rough or too loud, not putting ourselves first, but yielding to others and to God. 
Strength and power in various forms are what humans naturally tend to admire and emulate. It's how we get things done in the world. It's who we listen to. It's how we protect ourselves. In almost all human cultures throughout history, we look up to the rich and the powerful. We exalt the proud and the aggressive. We naturally value power. So it can seem very strange to us that God is going around exalting those who are humble and gentle. In Matthew, Jesus describes himself by saying, I am meek and humble of heart. That's in Matthew eleven nineteen. Meek and gentle are often translated from the same word. So in other translations, we see Jesus saying, I am gentle. And as Jesus' disciples, we are instructed to be gentle in a bunch of places. Uh, Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. In Timothy, we're instructed to pursue gentleness. It's something we need to work toward. Gentleness is listed as a fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, to 23. Peter, who is characterized at the beginning of his discipleship career as kind of a rough-and-tumble guy, blunt and a little bit aggressive, writes in 1 Peter 3, 15 that we should speak with gentleness. And Philippians 4, 5, which is our key verse for today, Paul writes that as followers of Christ, we should let our gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. Isn't it funny that he puts those two ideas together? Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. This is where yielding comes in. We can be people who practice gentleness because we believe that the Lord is near to us. We don't need to rely on strength and power because we rely on God. Relying on God instead of ourselves is what frees us to yield to others. Philip Kennison, in his book, Life on the Vine, says this, Gentleness requires us to give up trying to exercise absolute control over the world. Because we believe that God's Spirit continues to be active in the world, we are freed from the necessity of clawing our way into positions of power in order that God's will might be done. We are freed from having to force our wills upon other people, freed from having to think too highly of ourselves, freed from having to think we are always right, freed from having to assert ourselves in order to get what is our due, and freed from having to retaliate in order to secure justice." Now, a lot of these things that he's talking about are good things. It's good to pursue justice and to seek God's will and to think right thoughts. But we don't need to resort to force or power to do them. And when we bring force or power into the pursuit of even good things like justice, we can easily corrupt the good thing with the use of force. Just like me holding Perry, I can hold her gently, or I can have a pile of goo. Kennison goes on to say that God does not exercise power the way that we do. Let's think about that. 
the most powerful being in the universe is not characterized by brute force, by power or coercion, but by self-sacrificing love. God's kingdom, God's way of doing things, is upside down from human kingdoms. God himself yields to others, and we are called to yield as well. We are free from having to try to control things. We don't need to manage people and control circumstances so that things will turn out the way we think they should, the way we want them to. We are free to yield our will to God's will, our timing to God's timing, our power to God's power, and that frees us to be gentle with those around us. And that leads us to our big idea for the day. Gentleness means I can yield to others because I trust God. Gentleness means believing that I don't have to use force or power to accomplish anything. I can yield to others because God is looking out for me. I can listen to others without needing to be right or to have the last word. I can advocate for and pursue what is good without being combative. I can tend others' wounds and meet their needs without benefiting from it myself. That's what the story of the Good Samaritan is all about. Proverbs says a gentle answer turns away wrath because you can't fight with someone who isn't fighting with you. A lot of times, gentleness is turning the other cheek when someone strikes at you. Gentleness is praying for those who persecute you and loving whoever seems most like your enemy. Gentleness is an expression of love. Now, a little caveat. Remember, we started by saying gentleness is not the same thing as powerlessness or passivity. Gentleness does not condone or enable abuse. So if you are in a situation that is inappropriate or unsafe, gentleness does not ask you to stay there and enable a bad situation or relationship. Gentleness in that case relates to how you leave or otherwise handle that situation. Gentleness says you don't have to retaliate or be combative in order to remove yourself or your children from harm's way. You can be a person characterized by gentleness and still stand up for what is right. You can be a person of gentleness and still seek safety and justice for yourself and others. Gentleness is not the same thing as passivity. It's how you use your power not the absence of power. Now, I'm aware that I just said part of being gentle means you turn the other cheek, and then I said gentleness does not mean you enable abuse, and there can be some really fine lines between the two. It can be hard to figure out, and I would absolutely encourage you to let some other people weigh in if you're having trouble figuring out how to navigate a difficult relationship. There's a lot of factors, and life is complicated, and that's why we have people we love who can help us figure things out, and I would even say professionals. I have gone to therapy. It changed my life, and I would encourage you to take advantage of the fact that there are people trained for this. They're trained to help others navigate difficult situations and figure out the best way to handle them. 
Part of being a follower of Christ is figuring out how to balance standing up for ourselves and others and how to love those who are imperfect and wrong and would strike at us. And we can navigate all of this with gentleness because we believe in love and gentleness is an expression of love. You might remember earlier this summer, Dr. Modica talked to us about the fruits of the Spirit and he said, notice that fruit in Galatians 5 is singular. There's one fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is love and that all those other things listed after it, including gentleness, are expressions of love. That's how we learn to embody love. So if we look at the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, right in the middle of that section in verse 5, we see that love does not demand its own way. Love yields. As Elisa Morgan says in her book, Naked Fruit, being yielded to God's desires means letting go of mine. Gentleness is the fruit of the spirit that yields. Love is gentle. And so is wisdom. James 3.17 says, Wisdom from above, heavenly wisdom, or God's kind of wisdom, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. Wisdom is gentle. I don't know about you, but that kind of blows my mind. Wisdom is gentle. Both love and wisdom are willing to yield. They don't rely on controlling others or controlling circumstances in making things turn out the way they should. Love and wisdom do not use force. What does that tell us about who God is? About what God values? So how can we develop gentleness in our lives? How can we grow gentleness within us? I have four suggestions, four ideas for how we can do that, and they are our takeaways for today. The first takeaway is, to grow gentleness in my life, I can pray. One of the Desert Fathers, Abinilas, said, prayer is the seed of gentleness. This might be one of the reasons that Jesus tells us to pray for our enemies, because we aren't praying for them to make them more lovable. We're praying for ourselves to learn to become the kind of people who, even when we admit we don't love someone, we recognize that our Heavenly Father does love them, and we ask to enter into His love for them. We ask God to help us see them as He sees them, as beloved We practice yielding our view of them so that we can see them as God does. By praying for those who would harm us, we enter into our belief that love is better than hate, that gentleness is better than power. When our natural inclination might be to use force, whether that's physical force or emotional coercion or forceful speech, we can pause and pray for that person instead. Prayer is part of yielding our way to God's way. So it's a great place for us to start to practice gentleness. Another way we can grow gentleness is in our life is um, I can slow down. When we're driving and we see a big yellow triangle, we know that we need to be prepared to stop if the way we're driving is going to intersect with someone else's vehicle. 
we slow down, we look around, we pay attention to other people on the road. Where are they headed? How fast are they driving? We prepare ourselves in advance to yield. And then if needed, we yield. If we don't slow down and we don't pay attention, it's really hard to yield. And I think this applies to gentleness too. The more hurried or harried we are, the less we are able to pay attention to others. By intentionally slowing down, we give ourselves more time to be able to pay attention to what is going on around us. And we're less put out or inconvenienced by yielding because we've prepared in advance to do that. By slowing down, we give ourselves the mental and emotional and physical space to be gentle and take our time with people. To grow gentleness in my life, I can practice this spiritual discipline. I can let others have the last word. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to be right. I might have mentioned this a time or two before when I've spoken, but it aggravates me when people are egregiously wrong about things. I like facts. I like information. So this discipline, letting others have the last word, is both awesome and absolutely horrible for me at the same time. Letting others have the last word is a very intentional way to practice yielding. It means I choose to listen and not just understand what someone is saying, but what they're feeling and what other context might be going on that is influencing what they're saying and why they're saying it. That stuff isn't always evident. Most of us could use some practice listening to others, actively listening. I think there's a lot of freedom that we can find when we learn to hold our opinions loosely, with open hands instead of clutching on tight. It, mean, it doesn't mean that what we think doesn't matter. It doesn't mean it's not important. And it doesn't mean we can't advocate for what we think is right. But we don't have to make someone agree with us or understand us. And our concern then isn't winning or beating people into intellectual submission. It's to serve them. And it's a great way to practice yielding when you let others have the last word. To grow gentleness in my life, I can put love ahead of judgment. One of the biggest challenges to gentleness is when we think another person is objectively wrong. We tend to meet those people and those situations with judgment instead of gentleness. We tend to let anger lead us rather than love. Randy Frazee in the Believe Study Guide talks about how judgment chokes our ability to be thoughtful and calm and considerate, which he talks about as being expressions of gentleness. Judgment leads us into anger and quarreling, but gentleness refocuses our attention on God instead of on ourselves and on God's love instead of another person's anger. Being rooted in Christ means we have the spiritual resources to be different and to act differently, to learn, to practice, to grow because we are yielded to God 
and we are drawing our sustenance from his love, which is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit in Romans 5.5. Because we are rooted in Christ, we don't have to rely on our own power and strength to mete out judgment. We can let that go, leave that to God, and respond in gentleness to those around us. If we want to be wise, if we want to have love formed within us, for the Holy Spirit to cultivate a garden of love in our hearts, we need to value and practice the virtue of gentleness. We need to let go of pursuing power, to let go of the temptation to use force, to manage or coerce people to control circumstances, and instead embrace gentleness. The same gentleness that shines in God's eyes when he looks at us. His tender-hearted, self-sacrificial love. We can learn to look at others that way, to listen to others that way. And instead of wounding each other, to bind up each other's wounds with gentleness. Will you pray with me? Hi, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for pouring your love into our hearts so that we can learn how to embody love and what it means to live that out so that we can learn to be gentle with each other. Help me to see in my life this week, help all of us to be more aware this week of where we are trying to use force in our lives, where we're trying to make something happen, even if it's something good. And help us to recognize that and to pause and to talk with you about whether gentleness would be the better way to go. Thank you for loving us. In your name we pray, amen.